Good morning, church. Uh, you may not have heard the uh, scripture for sure there. We'll go over it here in a minute. Luke and I were a little bit out of breath. For what it's worth, that thing was on. You have a teenage son and they push you and they push you. 15% incline, incline 12.4 miles an hour, and we busted it for like 10 seconds. But it was awesome. I mean, we ran so hard. It was so great. And we just felt energized and then wanted to throw up a little bit. Now, full disclosure this morning, full disclosure, it was hot this weekend. And if you have teenage kids, sometimes you get the it's so hot in the house. So like a good dad, I get up and I, um, on the roof on Friday night, and start looking up the swamp cooler, get the air going and think, man, I have really done well for my kids. Good for me. And then you wake up Saturday morning and hear just running water off the top and realize, can I not fix anything? Now I've got a leak up there and we've got water coming out and all of that. And so I, uh, I'm climbing up there to fix it that second night. And I'm thinking to myself, about halfway up the ladder, how far would I need to fall to, to not maybe injure myself permanently, but, but maybe have enough for like an ER visit that, that wouldn't make me preach this morning. <laughs> and then I... I I wake up this morning, and, and we've got a lot of sunlight that comes into our room. And, and I wake up Sunday morning, and the light's shining through. I gaze over at my beautiful wife, and I say to her, Lisa, is there any chance at all that I have a horrible skin rash or anything like that that, that is taking me over that I need to go to urgent care for right now? And she said, no. And so she's about to go out on her walk and run, and I said, Lisa, how mad would you be if you come home and I'm running around the house with scissors? And she, she just gave me that look like, you'll be fine. And so here I am, and here we go. So the, the, the yeah, thank you. And, and strangely enough, I can actually now make eye contact with James Parrish again and not avoid him every time he walks down the hall because... Uh, I've been avoiding him for a while, but here I am. So, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So as we go through Matthew here, we're, we're going to kind of talk about 
worry today. And so I thought that one of the things, uh, well, let me say this first of all. You could sum up a lot of my sermon out of this book here. It's Max Lucado's Anxious for Nothing. And that's where I got a lot of my uh, research and everything for this, uh, for this sermon. And you could basically summarize the sermon in an out-of-breath athlete that you saw Luke and I. We were out of breath and we are athletes. We are elite uh, or we're elite in our own minds, um, athletes, an almond and a tree. So that, that'll, if, if you don't remember the sermon, think of an athlete out of breath, an almond and a tree. And, and that'll maybe uh, jog some things in your mind. So when we're talking about worry, I thought it was important to go over the definition of worry. So worry is a noun, means a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Okay. As a verb, it means to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. So if we're, if we're talking about worry, the word anxiety is mentioned in that, um, in each as a noun and a verb. So then I thought it would be important to talk about, well, what does anxiety mean? So let's break anxiety down into two words. So the first one, angst, being like a sense of unease. I'm not talking about the, the teenage angst that sometimes we have around. I'm talking about just the angst of life. And then zeos, meaning out of breath. So if we take angst and zeos, you could kind of define anxiety as out of breath because of the angst of life. And a lot of us feel out of breath. How do you not feel out of breath these days? I talked to the youth group a few weeks ago, and, and they're real good about giving, giving um, feedback and, and all of that. And so I said, what are some things that your generation, what are some things that cause anxiety, that cause worry? And so some of the things that they gave me were terrorism, school shootings, social media, regular media, natural disasters, and just the, the stresses of school. So we know that there are big things that we all feel, and, and we're constantly bombarded with that these days. But then there are little things that cause anxiety. And so um, one of the things um, right here, this is my beautiful daughter, Emily, and um, she is holding up some college t-shirts there. So she will be a senior next year in uh, high school, and so she's kind of going through the process of, well, where do I go to school, and, and, and what can we afford, and what kind of scholarships, and, and all that. So there, there's some anxiety there. And as a parent, that's my baby girl. That's my firstborn. She's, she's going off to school, and she's going to be on her own. Have we prepared her enough? So sometimes the little things. And then here's another one. There's my son, Luke. Now, are there any Eagles fans in here? Not Philadelphia, because I don't want to know about that. The, the band, the Eagles, Okay. We, we probably have, there is some significance to this picture. Right here, Luke and I, I've always wanted to do this, but we've always been too busy. And, and Luke and I stopped on the highway. We are standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Yeah, it, it happened. I know, I know. It, it really happened, so I can mark that off the list. But Luke is 15 years old now, and he has started driving. And if you have a 15-year-old who started driving... They ask you to drive every single time you get in the car. And so it's, Dad, can I drive? Dad, can I drive? So I decided, you know, he's done really well around the city and all of that. 
I'm going to let him have his first highway driving experience. So he drove from Winslow to Flagstaff, and he did a very good job. I was very proud of him. But I think that there was more angst and worry and anxiety in the passenger seat than there probably was in the driver's seat. So let's just be real about that. Um, so even sometimes the little things in life can create some anxiety and some worry. So when we talk about that, we, we know about anxiety, we know about worry. But let's talk about physiologically what happens. So in the brain, you have a cluster of neurons called your amygdala. Okay? And it's shaped about the size and, and like an almond. Okay? Now the amygdala is very important. The amygdala is kind of like the body's alarm system. And in a house, we want the alarm to go off when somebody breaks in or something bad happens, right? Don't we, isn't that why we have alarms? We want the alarm to go off then. But if we're sitting there watching TV and a paper towel drops off the countertop, we don't want the house alarm going off, right? So an alarm system is good unless it's bad, unless it's, it's, it's too sensitive, unless it's going off too much. And so anxiety and worry in and of themselves are not, not bad. That's, that's, that's our alarm system. Something bad's going on. But what we're going to talk about a lot today is the perpetual anxiety. That the, those thoughts that just kind of keep going and going and make our alarm system in our body a little too hypersensitive and go off at the wrong times. So what I've learned is there are people who don't deal and don't really struggle with worry a lot, and there are people who struggle with worry a lot. It's like some people, the people who worry a lot, they don't know how the other people do it, and the people who don't worry, like, why are you getting so worked up? So if you're one of those people who do not struggle with worry and anxiety, I wanted to give you a little glimpse into the mind of what goes on with somebody who does struggle with it. So I, I kind of did the example of a student. You, you've been a good student your whole career, but you finally get a B on a class. I know, I know. You get a B in a class, and you think to yourself, I've never gotten a B. What does this mean? I'm probably not going to get into college. I'm not going to get in the graduate school that I want to. And I'll never get a job. I'll always be alone. Nobody will like me because I won't have a job. And I'm going to end up homeless. And I'm going to be surrounded by cats. And I don't like cats. And nobody wants to be homeless and surrounded by cats. I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But I'm not kidding. The, the people who struggle with worry and anxiety, this cycle starts to happen. And you get these little thoughts that creep in. And then you go to the next step. And then you go to the next step. And the next thing you know, you're surrounded by cats. And to all the cat lovers out there, I'm sorry, I just, I don't, I don't like cats. So that's just the uh, example we use there. So the good news is God can calm our amygdala. So let's see what the Bible says about it. Proverbs 12, 25 says... Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Now let's look at 1 Peter 5 and 7, 5, chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. He doesn't say just cast a little bit of anxiety on him or just like the, the really big things. He says, cast all of your anxiety on him. Because why? 
Because he cares for you. That's right. So when we're talking through it, I thought it would also be important to talk about some people in the Bible. Let's talk about Peter. I, I can really relate to Peter because we get fired up sometimes and, and, and really excited. Peter says, surely, I, I won't deny you. I will not deny you, Jesus. But he denied. And we know that Peter had, had angst, had worry, had, 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 he sobbed. He, he, he didn't know how to deal with what he just realized that he did. But yet God used Peter to build his church on. He, he, somebody who, who struggled and, and said they wouldn't do it and worried, yet God used them. Or talk about Joseph. Joseph was the chosen son. His brothers left him for dead. That would create some anxiety if your brother, Emily, would leave Luke for dead. I think that would, that would cause some anxiety. Uh, he, was, he was sold into slavery, more anxiety. He works his way up, and then he's falsely accused by a naked lady, and more anxiety. He's thrown into prison, more anxiety. He has a way of, he, he finally founds a way, of, okay, I can, I can, if this person remembers me, maybe I'll get out of prison. So the guy goes up, totally forgets about him. Two years later, he's still in prison. Well, I, I'd be pretty frustrated, I'd be pretty bitter, I'd be pretty anxious about all of that. So he's finally restored. And then he meets up with his brothers that sold him into slavery, that left him for dead. And what does he say? He says, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. Right? Y'all you, you, did this in your own self-serving way, but God used all of this for good. And let's talk about Paul. Paul was beaten, got lashes, thrown into prison, shipwrecked. We could go on and on. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I've gone through all of these things, I don't know if my first response would be, don't be anxious, prayer and petition, thanksgiving. Right? Sometimes we get in those situations and, and, and we don't always feel that way. But the thing that Peter, Joseph, Paul, the, the thing that they all had in common is they were somehow able to keep that bigger perspective of being rooted in God through the whole thing. I'm going to read you a little story out of this book here that I thought Max Lucado is, is so simple and so profound, but I thought this, this was really important. Farmer Jones sensed trouble on the trellis. His grape givers groaned, leaves dropped, vines dragged, listless loganberries sighed in chorus. The farmer listened for a time and decided to do what grape growers have done, have done since the beginning of the writing of this chapter. He talked to his crop. A boss-to-branch chat was in order. He set a stool between the rows, pulled off his straw hat, took a seat, and invited, okay guys, why the gloom? 
This is not the wine, W-H-I-N-E, wine. This is not the wine I had in mind, because wine, okay, this is not the wine, you'll get it later. This is not the wine I had in mind. At first, no one spoke. Finally, a slender tendril opened up. I just can't do it anymore, he blurted. I squeeze and push, but the grapes won't come. Leave bounced as other branches nodded in agreement. I can't even get a raisin to pop out, one confessed. Call me Cluster Baron, shouted another. Forgive me for being sappy, offered one more, but I'm one burdened branch. I'm so tired that my bark is barking. Farmer Jones shook his head and sighed. No wonder you guys are unhappy. You're trying to do what you can't do and forgetting what to do what you're made to do. Stop forcing the fruit. Your job is to hang on to the vine, to keep connected to the trunk. Get a grip, and you'll be amazed by what you produce. John 15, it tells us to abide in him. There are some trees um, up here on the screen. This tree may just look like a normal tree. This tree has survived an atomic bomb in Hiroshima. Hiroshima. Tomato, tomato. Um, it, it survived an atomic bomb. How, how is a tree that was around where an atomic bomb went off still standing? Well, it, it's, it's getting nourished by the roots. And it's still flourishing today. Here's another tree. Many of y'all may have seen this one. It's a little closer to home. Oklahoma City. The Murrah Federal Building. Bomb goes off, lives changed, state changed, history changed. But yet this tree, I've seen this tree two or three times. It still looks like that. It is still vibrant, thriving, and it's doing well. And the bomb was, was right there. But, but the roots nourished it and, and kept it going throughout these catastrophic times. Philippians 4.12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that sounds pretty good. Okay, so I think we've got all the bases covered. We've, we've gone through Matthew says do not worry. We've gone through Peter says don't worry. Proverbs, anxious heart, weighs a man down. Philippians, uh, don't worry. Or um, present your request to God, the peace. Guys, we know a lot of this. Don't, don't we all shake your head yes because it's true? Yes, we know a lot of these things. So why do we still struggle with it? Why do we still, if we know all of these things and we serve a God that is this amazing, why do we still tr struggle with it? Well, I read to you the um, first Peter that said, um, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know what the next verse is? That's verse 8. So that was verse 5, or verse 7. 1 Peter 5, 7 is cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He doesn't say he walks around like a little bitty kitty cat and wants to lick you. No, it says that the devil is around like a roaring lion ready to devour you. Do you see why we still struggle with this? Have you ever been to the zoo when the lions are out and roaring? I'm not kidding you, that thing will shake your bones. The enemy, the devil, is around like a roaring lion ready to devour. And we know all the verses. And we've been to church. And we've, we've served in the youth group. And, we, and we've punched our clock at church. But yet we still listen to the lies. Lies that say, I'm not good enough. It's a lie. God does not make mistakes. Listen to me. God does not make mistakes. Yeah, we all struggle with stuff. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. Maybe if you're somebody who struggles with, with worry or anxiety, maybe that's something you struggle with. But the flip side of it is, maybe you're more in tune with the Spirit. Maybe you can relate to people better because you, you've gone through what it is. What sometimes can we feel like is harm, we feel like is inadequacy, it's a lie. God does not create mistakes. Don't forget it. Or what about some other things that I've heard? That we can't, I was so bad before, and I did this, and I did that, and I can't be forgiven for a sin that I did, or a mistake I made, and we beat ourselves up, we thrash ourselves, because we feel like we can't get past it. It's a lie. It's a lie. Are we so bold that we can say that, that Christ died for us and that his forgiveness is not enough? Guess what? It is. Get over yourselves. Get over myself. It's a lie. But you see, that devil is around like a roaring lion. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where we struggle. we got to choose what we're going to do with it. 2018, 2019 has been rough for Jason Helm. August, I get a call from my son and says, Dad, we've got a problem. And we have water coming through into our basement. Don't ever get a basement, by the way. We have water coming through the basement from a leaky toilet. And it creates mold, of course, because it's been brewing for probably 10 years. And so now we have to get the mold fixed. All right, so we do that and spend the money. And we pull the carpet back. Well, and then we're blessed with a monsoon season, which is great for everybody in Albuquerque except for those that have a basement that's not sealed well. And you start having water coming in through your ceiling. And water starting to come in through the floor. After you've already paid to get the mold fixed and all that, now you're worried, is there, is there more coming? Is there more water coming? So you get it out and you think, now what do I do? Well, now I've got the whole basements ripped up and all of that. 
Well, I don't have enough money to fix all that because guess what? Insurance doesn't cover that stuff. If I drove my car through the house, they'd cover that. But if, if, if water comes in from a leaky toilet or from the ground level, I guess they don't cover that. And believe me, I've been blue-faced with them several times talking to them on the phone about why don't you cover this and I paid my premiums and I just don't get it. And then I think, why can't I make more money? If I had more money, I would fix it all. This would fix it all. And I'm just a loser and I can't prepare for my family, provide for my family like I should. And so I guess we have to take out debt. We don't take out debt, but I guess I've got to take out a loan to fix all of this up. But even that won't fully cover it. So then I've got to do some work on my own. If you know me at all, I don't fix things too well. But we got to do it anyway because I can't afford the other stuff. Now the, the borrower is slave to the lender and... Then you think my daughter's been in pain for a while and my son is working his butt off and he doesn't get, he gets overlooked. And then my friend goes in, Shay, she goes in for a surgery, a simple surgery. And it's cancer. She's got the perfect family. She's the all-American girl. Why is this happening? This is cancer. I'm pretty upset about all of this. And I don't get it. I don't get why bad things happen to good people. But guess what they do? Can, can you hear that lion roaring right now? Can you almost hear the lion roaring about my bitterness? If you can't, it is. Because I've gotten pretty darn bitter over some of this stuff. And I've crossed my arms just like I tell the youth group not to do. And like cross your arms and be grumpy. I got pretty grumpy. Multiple times. But praise God for Shay and the Romero family. Because their response has knocked me off my feet and on my knees. And it's, it's, it's just said, Jason... It's time to get over yourself a little bit. The Romeros, they're not perfect. They're not. But when their own daughter, their own sister, is going through the darkest time that I could even imagine, you know what they do? They pray. They talk to their church family. They have healing services. They are abiding in Him. They are abiding. They, they, are, they, they, they don't know what else to do other than be nourished by the roots. God, what an example. What a testimony that is to all of us. I don't know why we listen to those lies, but we do. We have to stay grounded. We have to stay fed by the roots. So what do we do when we feel breathless due to the angst of life? Well, we talk to Him right then. And we tell God how you're feeling. Why? Because He cares for us. He told us to cast all your anxiety on Him. Because He cares for us. We replace anxious thoughts with grateful ones. This is a tough one for me. We resign control of the universe to the one who actually created the universe. 
Because we get in our own little worlds and we think, well, if I do this and I do that and I'll get it right and then everything will be great and then something happens, we don't know what to do. We resign control of the universe to the one who created it. We don't listen to Satan's lies. Oh, they can be a lot of lies. I talked over a couple of them, not being good enough, that I can't be forgiven. We all have lies that are around us that we listen to. But we have a choice. We have a choice on how we respond to those. What do we do when we feel breathless due to the angst of life? James Parrish helped me kind of connect this. How about filling ourselves with the very breath of God? All scripture is God-breathed and useful in teaching. If we can sit around and spend an hour, hour and a half on YouTube or social media or watching TV or doing whatever, or we get so busy in our day-to-day lives that we can't spend five minutes a day in the Word, what are we doing? Like, where are our priorities? Where, where is our, our time being spent? Because I've, I've done it. We get going and we get going and we get going and you crash into bed at night and you think, I hadn't spent time in the Word today. It's tough. It's a struggle. The struggle is real. I get it. I live it. We've got a choice to make. Because if we don't stay rooted those lies start echoing and resounding and we start hearing them and we start believing them. But if we stay in the Word, we may not get all the answers. We may not open the the passage to Numbers 26. I I think there's a Numbers 26. We may open it to Numbers 26 and we may not get the divine revelation that Hohuchikad is Rehoboam's you know, all the, I don't know, the lineage. We, we may not have rainbows and unicorns that start floating around and, and we are deeply impacted by that thing that we just read. We may not get it right then. But we have a choice. Test God. See what happens. Because if we stay in His Word, if we are, that breathlessness is feel, filled by the very breath of God. I'm going to tell you, for me, it took Shea Romero, and, and she's got a story coming, whether you, just wait, she's got a good story coming, good testimony. Since I've started doing that, it's been better. Oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. It, it's so ironic that the, the guy who struggles with worry and anxiety is up here preaching with worry and anxiety, about worry and anxiety, but... I guess that's how God does things. He, he uses unconventional mini, means, and I think he uses uh, Brady Bryce's Jedi mind tricks, uh, James Parrish's constant nagging, your family's constant encouragement to talk to us and to speak to our heart and to really step back and say, what are we doing? What are we doing? We need to get in the Word doesn't mean you have to spend every three hours every single night and learning the exegesis of the word solo. It, that's not what I'm saying. But guys, we have five minutes. That's my challenge to you. Five minutes a day in the word. See what happens. Tell us about it. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. 
But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. God and Father, I just thank You for being patient with Your imperfect people. God, we just we thank You so much for, for the Word that, that teaches us, that helps us deal with the angst of life. Now we just got to open it. We just got to look at it. We got we to dig into it. We got to read it. God, speak to us. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Personally, God, I thank You for letting a guy with a, a terrible hairline get up here and just preach Your Word. God, You know above anybody how much of a a challenge this was for me and how, how much of a leap of faith it was. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for using those struggles to wake me up and to wake the church up. God, I'm so thankful this, for this family who will let me get up in front of them and speak my heart. God, we know that you have great things in store here at first. We just pray that we would be faithful and that we could cling to you, that we could abide in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.